Welcome to the Virgin Diabetic Podcast. My name is Denise Panzers, and I'm a diabetes and holistic lifestyle coach. Type 2 diabetes is a chronic disease, and it plagues over 34 million in the U.S. and hundreds of millions worldwide. I was one of those unlucky people to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and prescribed medication with four daily insulin shots. It left me devastated. But then I realized, contrary to what everyone told me, I could reverse my diabetes. And my happy day was when I eliminated all medication and all insulin. Join me on this journey to learn and gain insight on reversing the effects of your diabetes. Being diagnosed with diabetes is never good news, and you might be wondering what options you have to help you toward better health. If you don't successfully change your diet, doctors usually prescribe drugs, sometimes several, which treat the symptoms of high blood glucose, but not the cause. The cause of insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes is glucose toxicity due to our diet, consuming too many carbs, which are converted to glucose in our blood. Nutritional supplements like lysolin can slow the progression of diabetes and possibly reverse it. Lysolin is the only product that targets the cause of insulin resistance and diabetes itself. Lysolin's safe, healthy, and natural formula acts like a glucose sponge so that glucose does not end up becoming toxic. Lysolin has proven to work in clinical studies for people with prediabetes and type 2 diabetes. Visit Lysolin.com, L-Y-S-U-L-I-N.com and start today to help yourself to better health. Thank you for joining me for today's episode called Pre-Diabetes, Diabetes, or Insulin Resistance. Are you confused yet? Did you know insulin resistance is your precursor to type 2 diabetes? Now, if you're not aware of it, this is what I believe we should be referring to as pre-diabetes. Compared to how we currently classify pre-diabetes in the medical community. Now, we are diagnosed with prediabetes when our A1C is between 5.7 and 6.4%, and our fasting glucose is over 99. But I ask you to consider this. If you are already outside that non-diabetic range, the 5.7 and above, then you already have a metabolic impairment. To me, with an A1C of 5.7 to 6.4, you are therefore in stage one of type 2 diabetes. In my mind, either you have diabetes or you don't. Now, I think we confuse the public when we tell a patient they have prediabetes. No one really explains it except to say, you need to diet and exercise. And if that doesn't work, we will talk about medication. Patients don't always have a clear understanding of prediabetes. What's the difference between a prediabetes diet and a type 2 diabetes diet? Is exercising different? Is medication different? So I'm not a fan of the term prediabetes. It's not a clear diagnosis for most patients. 
You know, it makes me think about a woman being told she's pregnant. We will never tell a woman she's pre-pregnant, right? (laughs) Either she's pregnant or she's not. Well, I'm not saying you're doomed in my theory of having stage one diabetes because I was much further into this disease with a 10% A1C and absolutely turned it around. I'm saying, let's not fool the public. Just call it what it is. If we want to talk about prediabetes, what I consider prediabetes, then we should be referring to insulin resistance. I would like to make sure we are all clear on what it is. Now, insulin resistance is when your cells and your muscles, fat and liver, do not respond well to insulin. So I'll say it again. Insulin resistance is when the cells in your muscles, fat, and liver do not respond well to insulin. When that begins to happen, your cells cannot effectively take glucose out of your bloodstream. Insulin is a hormone that acts like a key to your cells, like having the key to your front door No one can enter without that key. Your system is so smart that it realizes there is an issue when glucose stays in your bloodstream. So your pancreas steps up and produces more insulin to get that glucose into your cells. Over time, your cells continue to become resistant to insulin as your pancreas works to continue to produce more and more In the beginning stages of this metabolic issue, your glucose levels will probably just be in range. Your A1C test may be in the non-diabetic range of less than 5.7%. While I love the A1C test, that is not the right test to tell you about insulin resistance. That test is too late. However, If you let this metabolic issue go untreated, just like I did, then you can end up on a roller coaster ride with your health, just like I did. Over time, high insulin equals inflammation and high glucose levels. If you stop insulin resistance, you greatly decrease your chances of moving to type 2 diabetes. Let me repeat that because we do not spend enough time talking about insulin resistance. If you stop and reverse insulin resistance, the early stage, your chances of getting type 2 diabetes are vastly reduced. Catching it early is always better. Don't we say that about every disease? I compare stopping insulin resistance to kicking a pebble. And depending on when you get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, it could be like moving a large rock to a boulder that just doesn't seem to budge. I get questions such as, well, my A1C is only 5.3%, so why would I think I have insulin resistance? Let's make this simple. Without even having a blood test, How do you know you have insulin resistance or you may have insulin resistance? Let's look at a few signs that can be your red flag. The first one, weight gain. I know that sounds so basic, doesn't it? 
It seems like every overweight person is getting picked on. But yes, it can be that simple of a sign. You are gaining weight. Second sign can be hypertension. Your blood pressure is increasing. Have you ever had that conversation with your doctor that your high blood pressure can be connected to insulin resistance? I'm guessing not. High insulin levels, hyperinsulinemia, raises blood pressure by decreasing sodium and water excretion in the kidneys and constricts the blood vessels. Now, also, the opposite can happen if you have high blood pressure that can cause or add to insulin resistance. A third red flag can be high triglycerides. When your system cannot effectively store the carbohydrates that you are consuming, those carbs convert into triglycerides. Unfortunately, because so many people are medicated with statins, you really don't know how your health is being impacted. Your triglycerides may be normal due to your statin. Therefore, you may assume your diet is just fine. If your triglycerides are not in normal range while on a statin, I definitely suggest getting a blood test for insulin resistance. Another red flag can be skin tags. You can get skin tags for several reasons, but it can also be a sign of insulin resistance. Even if your A1C is below 5.7%, I would suggest getting a blood test for insulin resistance if this is an issue that you've had. You know, I read an article posted uh, back in 2019 in Science Daily. You can go and look this up that there seems to be a connection with insulin resistance and fibromyalgia. Now, many people with fibromyalgia also have type 2 diabetes. In the article, they talk about a study where they treated patients with metformin to address the insulin resistance. And interestingly enough, some patients who even had a normal A1C level were given the medication, apparently showed a dramatic reduction in their pain levels. So we actually hit two areas by reducing insulin resistance. We're going to improve the type 2 diabetes, and apparently there was improvement in pain levels for people with fibromyalgia. I bring this up because insulin resistance and inflammation go hand in hand. With insulin resistance, in our adipose tissue, which stores fat, it leads to inflammation. I'm not a scientist, so I don't know if that's the exact connection with fibromyalgia. However, inflammation is behind many chronic diseases, even if we look to people with arthritis. If you're not overweight, I have this question asked me all the time, can I still have insulin resistance? And yes, it is possible. You know, I was thin my entire life and quite the opposite of my dad who was always overweight, which led him to type 2 diabetes. Well, until the year that I was diagnosed, I gained about 18 pounds because of that insulin resistance. And I think right here is a good time for us to talk about cortisol. It's our primary stress hormone which can speak to why even people that are not overweight can have an insulin resistance issue. 
During a stressful episode, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure elevates and boosts your energy, and that's designed for flight or fight. Cortisol increases glucose in the bloodstream. It enhances your brain's use of glucose as well as increases the availability of substances that repair tissues. Cortisol has many uses in our body. But did you know that cortisol also curbs certain functions? It alters immune system responses and suppresses the digestive system. Once that threat or that episode subsides, your hormones return to a normal level. However, when stressors are constant and never-ending, your cortisol levels may not return to that normal level. You're probably familiar with steroids and have heard that people on steroids end up having very high glucose levels. Well, cortisol is a steroid hormone. It makes fat and muscle cells resistant to the action of insulin, and it boosts the production of glucose by your liver. Normally, cortisol counterbalances the action of insulin. Under constant stress, cortisol levels become elevated and you become insulin resistant. Now, most people hear that stress overload is not good for our health. And most of the time, we really don't understand that physiological connection. We just know that. But does this explanation help you to understand how stress affects diabetes patients or, you know, overall metabolic syndrome because it's our blood pressure? It's a whole series of things, right? Well, I really wish we heard more from our medical community on the tie between hormone of cortisol and insulin along with our high glucose levels. The easy answer always seems to be just take your medication. But I find when people have a better understanding of how diabetes starts, we can help stop or slow the progression much sooner rather than later. I want to take a pause here to do just a little recap to make sure what I'm sharing is clear because we don't have this discussion often enough. Insulin resistance is typically a precursor to type 2 diabetes. Our pancreas has to produce more insulin, which is a hormone, to get our cells to activate and then draw sugar away from our bloodstream. As this overall process begins to falter, we will not necessarily see it in our A1C blood test result because the A1C only looks at your average glucose over a three to four month period. But behind the scenes, insulin resistance is taking place. So the metabolic impairment has already begun. That is what I consider prediabetes. Now you can have that A1C of less than 5.7% in the non-diabetic range and still have insulin resistance. Once you hit an A1C of 5.7% currently, you are diagnosed with prediabetes. Yet again, as I say, we should just say it's stage one of type 2 diabetes. And that is because your system is not functioning optimally, processing that glucose. And that has been going on for a while. 
If we start testing for insulin resistance and address it at an early stage, we could greatly reduce this chronic disease like you wouldn't believe. If we look at cortisol levels and treat appropriately, we could greatly reduce the need for diabetes medication and help patients in a much greater manner than we do today. For some reason, our medical community seems stuck on diabetes medication rather than looking beyond. Don't be fooled that reversing diabetes is a one-dimensional process. Overall, our health is not one-dimensional. How we approach this disease of diabetes or even its precursor of insulin resistance is not one-dimensional. The earlier we start to make changes, whether to reverse, improve, or even avoid diabetes, can determine the amount of effort that might actually be needed. Well, I speak for myself when I look back before I landed in the ER that my efforts were too little, too late. And I don't want anyone else to have to feel that way. So one dimension of improving insulin resistance is exercise. And I know our doctors always tell us, but for those of us who don't love to work out, it falls on deaf ears, doesn't it? I tried everything to get myself to the gym years ago. I would even put my workout clothes on the floor next to my bed at night. So when I woke up the next morning, it was there in front of me, it was convenient, and I could just jump in my clothes and run to the gym. Well, how do you think that worked out for me? Only three times did that strategy actually work. And why is that? Well, for three basic reasons. One, my heart was just not in it. And are you feeling the same way? If so, you know, I feel your pain when it comes to exercise. You know, I found that I could always do something else, maybe more work. Heck, I would even vacuum, do laundry, and do dishes just to avoid going to the gym. Number two, I did not truly see the payoff. It seemed like a lot of effort. It wasn't fun getting dressed to get to the gym, getting sweaty, tiring myself out. It took time from me getting other things done. And because of that, number three, I did not make it a priority in my life. But let's talk about why exercise may help your insulin resistance. Exercise wakes up those cells and takes in the sugar from your bloodstream. Now, knowing that, does that give you impetus to think about being a little more active? No? How about this thought? If exercise has the same or better effect than taking metformin or some other drug, you don't have to worry about side effects. You don't have to worry about the cost, the inconvenience, and take control of building a healthy life. Is that something you would consider doing through exercise? Maybe? Well, let's look at a few exercise options. High-intensity exercise, and specifically done in intervals, seems to have a great impact on reducing the need for insulin. Therefore, your glucose levels should also start to lower. You can do that type of exercise in a gym, at home, outside, two minutes of high-intensity, and maybe 30 seconds of relaxation and another two minutes of high intensity. It could be running in place, jumping jacks, you name it. 
You can do it anywhere. You don't have to drive to a gym. But what if you physically cannot do a high-intensity workout or it sounds too overwhelming and just turns you off, like it did me? This is where we lose most people, especially when you already don't want to make exercise a big deal. So what I say is start with whatever works for you and build on it. Find someone else who may be willing to go to the gym with you, or if you hire a trainer, find someone just to go on a walk with you. Good conversation while you walk can show that it's a pleasurable activity and something you could look forward to doing. Weight resistance training is also good for insulin resistance. While watching TV or listening to music, pull out some free weights. They don't have to be super heavy or kettlebells or anything with a little weight and do some exercises. You know, I always have to laugh when I walk into the home of my clients who have taken action on our discussion for weight resistance training. Many have light hand weights in their home right next to their couch, just like I do. And it's a great reminder when you're sitting there that can you spend five minutes? Maybe work your way up to seven, eight, or 10? Just do it little by little. Maybe it's a couple different times throughout the day. But you know, it's funny. I know we are making progress when I hear my clients say they're initiating some sort of activity all on their own. I have to tell you, they're starting to feel guilty for not exercising. And that means we're working on long-term lifestyle changes. I'm not trying to convince anyone because it just doesn't work that way. But here's how I had to approach working out. To this day, I can still put off an exercise moment or two. So my payoff is thinking about how I feel after my workout. I'm not tired like I thought I would be. I'm actually energized. My head is clear. My work is more productive. I'm happier and feel good that I actually did something positive for my health. And to top it off, my glucose is great. How exactly does glucose and insulin lower from exercise? Well, your body burns glycogen, which is a sugar, right? It's a form of a glucose, and that's stored in your muscles. The beauty of this is that your muscles replenish those glycogen stores with glucose from your bloodstream. The more glycogen that's burned, the longer the body is sensitive to insulin and your insulin resistance starts improving. So see how that chain works? We already know through studies that exercise alone does not necessarily cause weight loss on its own, but it can help change and lower your body composition of fat mass. Just remember, you cannot work off a bad diet. One area I do think we need to be cautious with is dieting. We are pushing people to buy different diets, which I think puts you on a merry-go-round. And that's because it's not around lifestyle changes. So I ask you to think about cars on a train. One train car is exercise. Another train car is food consumption. Another one is beverage consumption. And another train car is stress reduction and so on. 
They're all linked together to give you the outcome so you can reverse your diabetes. You know, since our time is very limited, I suggest you look at more detailed information on my report called Feed Your Insulin Resistance in Three Easy Steps. You'll find it on my publications page on my website at reversemydiabetes.net. Please remember, if you have no room for change, you leave no room for improvement. Thank you for joining me on this episode. To hear how the natural supplement Lysolin works for me and many of my clients, visit Lysolin.com, L-Y-S-U-L-I-N.com for more information. Please do not consider this as medical information. Always consult with a physician before making any changes. New episodes are released on the first and third Wednesday each month. And for more information or a free consultation, visit reversemydiabetes.net. And as always, I wish you the best of health.